morning. How you guys doing? So, I thought for a little while this week that this morning I'd be showing up with an awesome eye patch on. Because I have a four-year-old daughter, and it didn't go so well. I was, we have this game where we like to chase each other around and roar at each other, right? So if you've spent any time in the nursery or in the preschool class with my kids, this explains a lot, because they just growl, okay? My bad. I didn't realize that that was going to be the repercussions of that game. So she's in trouble. She's sitting on the couch, and, and I'm hiding down below the couch, waiting for my little boy Gabe, who's two, to come around the corner so I can jump out and scare the crap out of him. Because that's our game. I'm building tough children. That's what I keep telling myself. So he comes around, and I jump out, and he runs, and then I hide behind the couch again, and, and Lily, who's four, who had just been in trouble, my wife releases her from her captivity. And she's like, okay, you can go play now. And so she jumps off the couch, and I look up right as her foot comes right into my eyeball. I mean, like, I've got four brothers, and my dad was a steel worker. We all worked out in the shop. They all outweigh me by at least 50 pounds, and they all have me by at least six inches. My nose has been broken multiple times. I've never been in that much pain in my face in my life. Like, I could not open up my eyeball. Like, I was just like, like, just face in the couch trying not to obliterate something because that was my first instinct. And so I, I, I put some ice on it. I, I, I couldn't open it up. And it was like there was not like tears coming out. It was like that weird thick thing that comes out, right? I get calmed down, and I'm sitting there on the couch, and I got the big old ice pack on, and obviously we're done playing RAR at this point. And, and my daughter looks at me, and she's like, which toe did you hit? And I'm like, I don't know. You tell me, Lily, which toe did I hit? She's like, oh, I think it was this one. She's like, it's a really hard toe. Like, it's really hard on eyes. You've got to be careful around it. And I was just like, daughter, you've missed the point here. And, like, for, for two or three days after that, like, I just had this constant headache. Like, that morning I woke up and I, I was like, I don't want to open my eye because it felt like a hot poker was just going to, like, go right into it. It hurt, like, that bad. And I, I opened my eye and I'm like, oh, I can see. This is great. And I go to work that day. And, and, and I, I paint. That's, that's my trade. And so I'm masking these lines. I'm staring at lines all day, and I just can't figure out why I've got this headache that set in at like 7 in the morning. And I suddenly realized while I was looking at this, line, that line is really fuzzy looking. And so I closed this eye. I was like, oh, it's straight. I closed this eye. I was like, oh, look, there's two lines. That's great. And my eyes couldn't reconcile what I was seeing, and it was just giving me this constant kind of low headache throughout the whole day for like two or three days. I think that is what most of us end up feeling. Like deep down in our souls, we know that something is wrong, and so there's kind of this low anxiety inside of us. 
constantly. Like, we know the world is broken. Something isn't right. And there's, there's some who have jobs where they can be really in tune with this fact. Like, if you work for Child Protective Services, I'm guessing you're pretty in tune with how broken the world actually is, right? Um, if you are a, a police officer, firefighter, like a, a first responder, you are, are pretty darn in tune with, with how broken things are. And the rest of us, we get to kind of live in this dream where there's that low hum, but we get to ignore it for the most part. And then the veil's lifted occasionally because someone shoots up a theater or a school and we wake up for a second and we say, but man, the world, this is a jacked up place. Something is, is broken. Or somebody gets sick and dies and, and, and we feel it and we say, this isn't right. This isn't how it's supposed to be. And that's because it's not how it's supposed to be, Right? Like, in the beginning, there was God, and he created everything. And it was good. It was perfect. If you read through, like, Genesis 1, in, in the beginning, um, God created the heavens and the earth. The, the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Like, like, we start to see, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and it was good. There's this rhythm that happens, and, and when, you, when you read it, it's, it's actually a poem. In, in the Hebrew, it's actually a poem that has this rhythm and this flow that God created this, and it was good. That God created this, and it was good. God created this, and it was good. And it, it, it moves like that all the way up until about chapter 3. And then there's a break in the rhythm. Like, if you read Genesis 2, God, God creates Adam. And there's, there, there's no suitable helper of all the animals. Like, his, his golden retriever was not man's best friend. The horse wasn't going to work. The lion, what it, God said, there's no suitable helper here, so, so let's, let's make him a helper. They make Eve. God makes Eve. And so he sets Adam and Eve in this garden, this beautiful paradise. And he looks at Adam, and he, and he says in Genesis 2, 15, the, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. He looks at Adam, and he looks at Eve, and he says, this is your job. Look at this garden. Look at the rest of the world. I want you to go make the rest of that look like this garden. And you're going to need a lot of help, so you should have some babies. And he says, go forth. Make it happen. Work. Keep the garden. And it's beautiful. The pictures we get in Genesis are of Adam and Eve, and they're walking with God in the cool of the, the, the evening with, with God, communing, like what our souls were made to do. But that's not right now, right? Like, unless, I mean, someone want to say how their shower went this morning? You'd Like, never mind, that would be bad. Here's the deal. 
it, it doesn't take too long for the discord to strike. They're, they're working in the garden. And, and the serpent, Satan, he, he comes to Eve and he says, hey, Eve, why don't, why don't you eat the fruit from this tree? And Eve looks at the serpent and says, well, God said we, we shouldn't eat of it. We can't eat of it or, or we'll surely die. The serpent says, well, no, you won't die. You won't die. I mean, he, he doesn't want you to eat it because he doesn't want you to become like him because you'll be like God and, and you'll know both good and evil. And, and he talks her into it. And I don't, I don't know what Adam was doing at this point. Like, from the text, what we seem to see is he's like standing right next to Eve. What was the guy doing while the serpent was deceiving his wife? He's like looking around. I, I named that. I named that, Eve. Looking up at clouds. I, why do I have nipples? I don't. I don't understand, God. Eve. Eve takes the fruit. And she eats it. And she hands some to her husband. And without question, he eats it. Like the most horrifying verse in all of Scripture. And it's broken. From that moment. Genesis 3, 8 says, and, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where, where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? And already we see the fracture in what's going on. And he looks at Eve, and the man said, the woman whom you gave here to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate and then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent has deceived me, and I ate. The, the Jewish people, this story was so intrinsically wound into who they were that, that it was a part of their everyday lives. When they would greet someone, they, they, would, they would greet them and say, shalom, peace. Their, their, their blessings and their wishes would be, may you find peace today. May you have peace. May God grant you peace. This idea of shalom was more than just the absence of, of war and the absence of conflict. It was the idea that, that, that something isn't whole. Something's broken. Something's missing. The idea of shalom is, is to find completion. And, and, and they, would, they would greet each other and they would bless each other this way because they knew Things were broken. Something wasn't, something wasn't right. And when we get in the rest of Genesis 3, um, the, the 
is, is the consequences of what happened. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. And in your pain you shall bring forth children. And your desire shall be for your husband's place and he shall rule over you. And Adam he said, to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and, and I have and have eaten the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, and thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you will return. world that we live in, the world that we experience is not the world that God had created for us to live in. Like if you dig around through Isaiah, if you dig around through some of those Old Testament prophets, because I know that's our favorite thing to do right before bed because it's just going to knock you out, right? When you dig around in there and they start painting pictures of, of a new heaven and a new earth and how God's going to restore things, it says things like, you're going to build houses and you're going to be able to live in them. You're going to, to toil in the fields. You're going to, to plant your crops and you're going to actually be able to eat what you worked for. That the lion and the lamb are going to lie down together and eat in peace. But that's not how it is right now, right? Like the lion and the lamb, they lie down together and they eat, but it doesn't go so well for the lamb, right? Like it's broken. This isn't how it's supposed to be. Do we, do we feel that? People die. Not well. Right? Statistically, one in four of you women in here have been abused badly. And one in three of you guys. Right? Something's broken. It's broken. I, I spent time this week... Um, Wednesday, while I was at work, I got a call from uh, from from a family member. It's like, hey, I I need uh, some help. My tranny went out on my truck. I'm like 40 miles from Boise. Can you help me out? Um, I don't like this guy. <laughs> we don't get along. If there th there's like two people that cause anger to rise up inside me when I see them, and this is one of those guys. Yeah, sure. Look, dude, I, I got to work for like six more hours. Let me see if I can get a hold of a truck and a trailer. Maybe Amy can come out, pick you up, bring you back so you're not freezing your butt off out on the interstate, and that's fine. And I, I go out there, and, and we, we get his truck in. Um, it is the nastiest truck I've ever seen, too. I am 
I'm like not a big four-wheeling type of guy. This makes me not want to be a four-wheeling type of guy even more. Anyway, that's, we can't do that right now. He, we, we bring him back, and he's telling me about how his life's going while we're driving back and forth to Mountain Home. And I just, I die inside for his daughters. Like, they, I just want to slap him in the face and tell him, dude, they need a dad. It's broken, right? And it's painful. And it hurts. And I know there's those of us um, in here that uh, you guys are, are going to go to a funeral this week. And it hurts. The shalom, the wholeness, the completeness that that our souls were designed to experience has been fractured. It's been broken. And so God responds. God initiates. That's like the whole point of us showing up here on Sunday, right? Because we know God, God's God's fixed that. That we we see, if if you look all throughout scriptures, that we see over and over and over again that, that that Jesus has come. God became flesh. Like when, when you start to wrap your minds around that, that, that Adam and Eve, they commit outright rebellion against God. And that, that we have that bent, that brokenness inside of us. So, so I didn't teach my kids to throw a fit and disobey and chuck a Lego in my face. I don't do that to Amy. I don't know where they got that from. And yet they do, Right? Like we are born with this brokenness inside of us. And we're participants with Adam in rebellion. Like we said, we want nothing to do with you, God. And we propagate the brokenness. Right? Like we're the problem. And what God says is, I, I see you. I, I see you. I see what you've done. I've seen the mockery of my name that you've made and how it rings throughout the universe. I've seen, like you just, like you start reading through Genesis after that and you, it, it gets dark. Like really dark. Dark enough that God says, I've had it. I'm going to kill you all. He sends a flood that it got that bad. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It gets dark and it's broken. The thing that I love, I love how all of our bath toys are like Noah. Like that's a great little story. You know why Noah gets drunk after the ark? 
That's the first thing he does when he gets off the boat is he gets plastered. Who had to listen to the people clawing at the door once the water started pouring? Like they all thought he was crazy until it started raining, right? And the brokenness keeps going. But we all know this. We know it's broken. Galatians 4.4 says, But when the fullness of time, in Romans 5, Paul says, At just the right time, Christ came and died for the ungodly. That God saw, you've made a mockery of my name throughout the universe, and I must destroy you. I must be just, but I'll take it on myself. I'll take care of it myself. In Galatians 4, 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, born in the world that we live in. Like the whole point of the law, those five books of the Old Testament, is to keep pointing to the fact that we are broken. We can't measure up. And God sends his son in those circumstances. redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent his spirit, the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave but a son. And if a son than an heir through God. Like, do we get that God, God did it? In the midst of our brokenness, he's the one that shows up. In the midst of fractured shalom, he comes. Like you, you read Ephesians and it says, he is our peace, he is our shalom, he is our wholeness. And he's brought us together again. And, and so, I, I suppose we should probably get to the book of Matthew since that's where we're supposed to be today, right? And, and so we, we get to Matthew chapter 5 where we've been forever and we're going to be until like 2014. I don't, I don't know. Matthew's going to take a long time. So you should get used to turning to Matthew. It's, it's good. And, and so we see Jesus begins this teaching on a mountainside, this teaching of starting to look at these people who are gathering and saying, here's what shalom looks like. Here's what it looks like. Like, it's your heart that matters, not just what you do on the outside. Like, do you, do you understand what God's trying to say here? And so he starts out with these things we call the Beatitudes that we've been trudging through for the last few weeks. The, this, this introduction to this, this message from Jesus that says, here is what life looks like. Here's, here's what it looks like. And, 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 and here's quick snapshots. Um, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who realize we are broken. We are missing the shalom, Right? Those are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And today, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, sons and daughters of God. Jesus, Jesus looks at the people gathering and in the midst of playing, this is, this is what life should look like restored. He said, blessed are those who are making shalom, who are crafting shalom. Like the, the word used for peacemakers is two words mashed together, the, the, the word for peace. And in Jesus' culture where he's at, it would have meant the shalom, the wholeness, the, the, the completeness and, and then the, the second word is this word for, for crafting, for doing, for making. Blessed are those who are making shalom. Blessed are those who are crafting together shalom. Happy is it for those. Like God is on the side of those who are making peace, who are crafting completeness and wholeness together. So how, how are we crafting shalom? How, how do we do it? And I think the thing that we always start with is, is how did God do it? He initiates. He takes it on himself. He, he gives everything for it. What, does it. what does it look like to create shalom in your marriage? Like I, I always joke around that I never realized how big of a jerk I was until I got married, but it's true. I usually say something else other than jerk, but like there's brokenness there. For my, my kids, what does, it, what does it look like to bring shalom, wholeness, depth, completeness? Those who are crafting shalom are blessed. Those who look at the brokenness around them and do something about it are blessed. Those who who look at their kid and see them throw their Legos in, in their parents' face and say, there's something broken here and pursue that and do something about it. They, they will be blessed. Those who, like my wife and I, we, I, I swore, we, we've been married five, six years, somewhere in there, which I know is not good to vacillate on. Um, our first couple years of marriage were <coughs> difficult, to say the least. And, and we kept having like the same fights over and over and over again. And it was about completely different issues, but it was always the same fight. 
those who see that brokenness and want to do something about it, blessed are they. Those who see the brokenness in the city around them and say, I, I've got to do something. Like this guy who just sits on his recliner, smoking Marlboro all day, and he's, he's lost his whole family because he's so stuck in all of the addictions he seeped himself in. Like, he's trying to escape. Like, do we see him? Do we see the brokenness? Do we do something about it? We have a nursery class and a preschool class, and there's babies that need love. Do something about it. And they're blessed. And they're blessed because they'll be called sons of God. Sons and daughters of God. Like the whole point of all of this, the whole point of shalom, the whole point of this ethic that Jesus is teaching is, is God. Like last week we went through the pure in heart. Those who have an unmixed, a devoted heart that's pointed to God, they get to see God. The, the, the today it's those who see the brokenness around them and want to do something about it and get their hands dirty. They get to be called sons and daughters of God. We saw that in Galatians 4. You get to cry out, Abba, Father. And like, Abba doesn't mean daddy. Abba is this, it, it, it connotates some intimacy, some familiarity, but it's this idea of, look at my dad. He can beat up your dad. Look how big he is. You read Romans 8 where Paul brings up that idea of Abba, Father again. And right after that, he goes in, who can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Who can bring a charge against us? Nobody. Have you seen my father? Have you seen how the sovereign king of the universe loves me? What could possibly go wrong for me? Have you seen my dad? Like, we get God. In the beginning, we got God. And it's jacked up, and it's broken. The whole point of the gospel is we get God. We get what our souls were designed for. That low frequency headache. That things are broken, that we're missing something. We get rid of that. That the brokenness goes away. The lion sits down with the lamb and they don't eat each other. The, 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 the lion the, eats grass. The, there's no more pain. There's no more death. There's no more abuse. God. And Jesus is laying out. Here's what life in Shalom looks like. 
Are you pursuing peace? Are you, are you making peace? And for some of you, that does, I, I, I mean, I, I looked at this text and I'm sitting down with Brent. I'm like, well, this, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Make peace. Right? Like, we all have relationships in our lives where we can say, yeah, not at peace there. Maybe there's a relationship you need to look at and see the brokenness. See what God's done about the brokenness. And follow that example. And initiate. Realize whatever sin was done against you, that hangs up on a bloody cross. And I know that's going to be difficult. Like, I'm not naive in how bad and how painful it can get. I'm not naive in how difficult it can be with your spouse to look and see the brokenness and to go after their heart. Say, what, what do we have to do to make peace? To keep coming back to how, how do we get wholeness here? Where do we find the healing? God, how are we supposed to keep pressing into you to find this? To look at your kids and say, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> Amen? You can say amen back. That would be okay. I know we don't usually do that, but I know what I'm doing. Say, God, I, I want to go for peace in their hearts. I want to make peace to look around. We're going to have a serve Sunday coming up, right? Which is a perfect example to say, how am I making peace in the city I live in? This is a great city. I'm never leaving Boise again unless it's in a box. Like, I love this city. And look around and say, there's brokenness here. The people you work with, where's the brokenness, the insecurity? How do you go after their heart to be that light? We're, like, right after the Beatitudes, the first thing Jesus says is, now that I've shown you this glimpse of what it looks like, be salt and light. Be something that makes a difference around you. God, that you would open our hearts to see where we bring peace. That we'd see it in our own hearts where there's not peace. The, the band's going to come up and I'm going to pray and stop yelling at you. I'm sorry. We get God. We get we get to be adopted. We get a new dad. And I know some of you, your dad's jacked that picture up. And I'm sorry, but God is what it was supposed to be. Where, where do you need to make peace? Or do you need to craft it?
to shape it, to pursue it. God, we love you. God, we love you. And my prayer is always that we would be a broken people, that we would we would see the brokenness around us, that we would see the brokenness inside of us, and we would see how you are coming and you have come to put all of that back together. That we'd be active in that. That we would call ourselves children of the sovereign king of the universe. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.